Welcome to Rehab Within Reach. We are your hosts, Dr. Chrissy Rankin, physical therapist and CrossFit Level 1 coach. And I'm Dr. Sarah Nelson, a physical therapist, and I'm board certified in women's health and lymphedema therapy, and I also hold a master's degree in orthopedic manual therapy. And I'm Dr. Shona Craig. I'm also a physical therapist, a board certified women's health clinical specialist, certified lymphedema therapist, and yoga teacher. We are a collective of women from various backgrounds who support each other and the community around us that have one thing in common, therapy solutions. This podcast will be addressing how the body, mind, and spirit work together to create our current state of being while offering a refreshing approach to how to create harmony within each system. Our treatment philosophy is to empower people through education by combating modern evidence-based practice with our innate primal wisdom in order to promote body literacy and compassion in your personal healing journey. Even though our professional background started in physical therapy, we take an integrative and holistic approach by addressing all systems of the body in order to bridge the gap between the current medical model in the United States and your ability to make autonomous decisions to achieve independence and wellness. This podcast is meant to challenge you to think in ways that may feel uncomfortable at first, but don't worry. Remember, our goal is to provide resources in order for you to make the best decisions for your well-being, which may go against what most of our society suggests is quote-unquote healthy or correct. As a reminder, this podcast does not replace the medical examination, assessment, and plan of care from a licensed medical provider who has seen you personally. Let's get started. We thought we'd just work through some uh, questions, and we're going to talk about them, but I hope people listening think about them as well, and maybe there'll be table conversation for people. We always, like, how to get a conversation going that's... Um, not based on, like, your job and your... Your job or your kids. politics or anything like that. Or, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But this one was, in the past, people were buried with their items they would need in the afterlife. What would you want buried with you so you could use it in the afterlife? And... um. I looked up a few, uh, like, other cultures that this is common in. And a lot of us know about the ancient Egyptians and how they would uh, bury things in with them so that they could have it in the afterlife. Um, the Mayans also did something similar to this. Um they would bury maize, which is corn, in their mouths as a symbol of rebirth, um, as well as to nourish the soul on its journey through their afterlife, what they consider afterlife. Um, and they were also positioned in their graves in the direction of where their afterlife was situated um, so that it would be easier for them to pass through the afterlife. Um, then um, in ancient Roman culture, uh, they uh, had like processions um, where it would happen during the nighttime um, and no one was allowed to be buried within the city um, so that they could have a barrier between the living and the dead. Um, 
and they mostly did uh, cremation was more of their um, their way of doing things. Um, then in the ancient Greeks, um, they're believed that the afterlife was in the underground. So then that's why burials were common. Um, and in Chinese burial rituals, um, they also... Uh, buried their dead with personal belongings um and uh there is belief that the afterlife was much like the current world which meant the dead needed their personal property with them to be prosperous um so yeah so all over the world this seems to be a common practice um and I've seen, I've been at funerals where they have, like, where people put pictures, like, within their their uh, coffins or um, or something like that. Or making sure their clothes look, you know, appropriate so that, um, and useful potentially so that when they go to the afterlife, then they're in what they think represents them the best. It seems like it really depends on what, like, what your beliefs of an afterlife are. Yeah, it um, does what seem your like that. Religion is, or what your beliefs are, because, like, what if you don't believe in an afterlife, or mm-hmm. what if you believe in reincarnation, or or heaven, or because um, I feel like each belief system would mean a different thing to people of what would be important to take with them. Um, so yeah. I feel like my first instinct is just. Like, as a yogi, I strive to not have, like, to sort of let go of material possessions. So I'm just like, burn it. <laughs> like, burn it. Like, all my stuff, like, my body, because I just want to, you know, be recycled into the earth and my soul to be free of, like, attachments to worldly things. Um, you know, that's just part of my, like, spiritual practice and my life work to be able to get to that place when I die. Um so, but I can see how in a different spiritual practice, like it is important to like bring stuff with you. Um, so that's my first instinct on that question. <laughs> that's where I went was, well, is there an afterlife? You know, <laughs> what's the proof? So I went looking, well, one, I went looking, you know, too, but others, I thought about experiences I've had with patients actually. Mm. Um and I, uh, I think of one patient I had, and this was, I was, when I tell my stories, I wonder, have I told this story before, but it's probably worth repeating. But this one, this patient came to me and she was a meditator. I would say maybe kind of like, a, maybe she was like a Buddhist. I don't think she was Buddhist. She, I can't remember what church she went through, but she went, she was a meditator and she was a nurse and she, um, came to me right when she got the diagnosis or she was about to get the diagnosis of a return of breast cancer. And, um, she said, if I, if I have it again, I, I don't know that I want to treat, treat it. And in her very first visit, I said to her, 
if you need me there with you at the end, I'll be there with you. It is the, I have never said anything like that to any of my patients prior to that or since, you know, very first. And as it happened, the cancer did come back and she did decide to get treatment and she lived for a few years, long enough for us to get to know each other, but she did not believe in an afterlife. And that's why I'm telling this story. And um, so I did get to be with her when she died. And that was like amazing experience. I never noticed her afterward. And um, she did not believe in an afterlife. She believed that she would, what you're saying, um, Shona, that she would be done. And that was her belief. So I know, so, okay, go back further. One of the very first breast cancer patients I had, she, um, oh, she was extremely um, spiritual Christian. She did a lot of praying and I think her prayers are what kept her alive for a, a long time and it alleviated her pain during treatment and all this. And we really bonded. Um, Eventually she died of the cancer and she would come in the treatment rooms. I swear mm. after she died, wow. she would come and help me for a little mm. while afterwards. But I find it interesting and this is just so entirely subjective, right? But that, oh, for you sure. know, afterlife experiences or near death experiences are totally subjective. You can't, mm-hmm. um, who, who knows, um, for the people who've had near death experiences, as I've read, we don't know if it's the way their brain's going off or if it, what's really happening, but here's my experience of these two women and their beliefs and how it affected me after they left. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have no answer for it. Um, I think it's lovely to hear that um, that the potential of your experience in afterlife is truly based on what you believe in, um, because how much freedom does that provide? And then if everyone kind of understands, like, this world exists because there's a lot of different belief systems, then we might not be yelling at each other anymore about who is right and who is wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, we went, uh, my mom and I went to a, a psychic slash medium slash intuitive person um, a couple years ago. And uh, my mom, uh, her, her mom passed uh, before I was born and really young. She had um, lung and brain cancer. And, um, my mom is like, has always been really upset that she's never felt her mom afterwards or like, she's never had signs or like how some people see dimes and, or Mm -hmm. birds or like certain things that might represent their, um, loved ones. And, um, uh, the woman who we talked to said, well, if you believe in past lives, which I do in a sense, but I don't know enough about it, um, that she, my my grandmother or my mom's mom 
she was she was done like she was like i don't want to reincarnate again i don't want to come back again like this was like my last one and she was in the the medium was like well that's probably why you haven't felt her or noticed her because she was she chose to be done um and i think that's really interesting too is is there's a choice too in the in the after world or afterlife or um that we can choose to um, remain if we really want to there is a belief as i understand it in the buddhist religion that you that there's a 40 day period um where before which is sort of an intermediary period i don't know enough about it but i know my mom had some interest in that and so she's like she did not want us to cremate her for i think it was 10 days or something she's like oh wow just let me let me be before you burn my body like to take i guess take care of whatever it is you need to take care of that's interesting because it's also like the 40 days after birth you're also well and then 40 days in in jesus right was in the desert right yeah and fasting yeah. for 40 days yeah. yeah the lenten period is 40 days yeah yeah well yeah that's a whole nother topic but christianity yeah. and other religions in the world but yeah. and how they're very similar but um yeah. there's a, another movie that i like what dreams may come had robin williams in it mm-hmm. um i've watched it t- twice the first time i watched it i just cried through a whole box of tissue it was great and the second time it didn't hit me the same way but if you need uh in within the in the movie like within the first 10 minutes like three or four people die. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but what they, um, their, their heaven is what they imagined it to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and anyway, it's, it was it. So I don't think, and we could talk and talk about, is there an afterlife or not? And I don't think we'll come to an answer. And it, it varies so much based on how, people believe yeah and i think going back into like the question about what would you like to be buried with there's actually a so washington was the first state to legalize human composting um Mm. and i know that sounds like (laughs) really i don't know gruesome um but the company is called return or one of the biggest companies is called return home and you literally um, uh, are placed inside a composting box and you um, uh, and then they have like a biodegradable shroud um, that they put around you. Um, there's also another company called um, Recompost. Um, and you can then put anything else that you want in there um, that is biodegradable, um, including like flowers or other materials, cotton materials or something like that. And um, they showed uh, that on on the outside of the composting box, um, like loved ones will put like pictures up and stuff like that. And you're able to go back to the, to the holding area um, until the composting is all done. Um, And that takes like 60 days sometimes. 
And then you get the soil afterwards. Um, and your loved ones could like plant in their garden with it or um, use use that composting in a way um, again. So I thought that was really lovely. Yeah. I always thought, for I loved that idea of like um, using, like you said, the composted soil as and growing into a tree or a plant. And I loved the idea of just instead of graveyards, having like forests of, of people. <laughs> for me, that's just a very beautiful um, way to go. Trees. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, uh, when you were saying I about putting things with the, the body, I forgot. My sister was really good about that with my mom and dad so they were cremated and so in their little box she'd put things with them mm -hmm. to be buried so like my dad she gave she uh put in toothpicks and golf tees because oh, <laughs> nice. he was always trying to keep his teeth clean and then for my mom one of the things i can't remember everything she put in it but she put in one of those little mini bottles of whiskey <laughs> <laughs> yeah she'll still need a drink even if it's in par if, even if she's in paradise having a little bit of whiskey would be good <laughs> or in your so what yeah i guess it's like Another way to look at it is what gives you comfort on a daily basis right now? Mm -hmm. that, what do you use a lot? Um, maybe I guess. A, I was saying maybe there's a difference between, like now I'm thinking about, oh, it's kind of nice and kind of fun to have things thrown in with you that sort of defined your life. Um, and then I think for me, it's like as long as I'm not attached to it, I think that's been my like spiritual journey is that, you know, suffering is caused by like desire and attachment to things. And that maybe that then in reincarnation, they talk about how whatever you're attached to in this lifetime, like you go through several lifetimes to kind of work through those attachments. Um, but it's like also just you live in a human body and a human life and like throw some things in there that are like fun for you. And there's a difference between like needing it um, and feeling, you know, I, th I think <laughs> that's just the sense I'm getting right now. Maybe there's a difference between needing it um, mm -hmm. and like being attached to it so intensely versus like, like seeing it from a little bit of a zoomed out perspective and being like, these things were just really fun for me in my life. And I don't have like an attachment to it, but I have like a, a more of a playful mindset around around these things does that make sense yeah, yeah. oh yeah okay <laughs> there there is something to that like um i've heard that a thought like that a couple of times through the years like yeah. like the dessert you don't have to have the dessert you realize you're not attached to it but we're going to eat it because we're we want to enjoy it <laughs> yeah or like the coffee yeah. you don't need it to sustain my life every day um but you know what like it's fun to just have a latte sometimes mm -hmm. like you know, on the porch in the sun like let's just have fun <laughs> yeah. yeah so um so i you know the 
one of the things that could go in there are the things that give us some comfort now, like the cup of coffee. So it'll like put a little pound of coffee in there. Maybe I only need a little cure it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I think because I like love sports, I probably would have some kind of sport memorabilia, whether it's an actual like ball or you mm. know a picture or a jersey or something like that um I think a sports thing would and the coffee I think those two things coffee pictures sports memorabilia would be something I would put in there yeah I think of like I love the knowledge I've accumulated I feel so mm-hmm. lucky to know what I know and I if there was a life at after this one, I wish I could take that with me. Yeah. With the idea of starting on books. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. We're not going there either. <laughs> there would be no room for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. How you uh, have to start, you would have to start all over again. Yeah. It is interesting at the, this age to look and, and the perspective that age gives, which I heard people talk about when I was younger and I'm like, oh, they're right. Um, like you can see for each decade, there are really very common um, experiences or not experiences, but lessons to be learned mm-hmm. at every age. So and true. Um, you know, so in Ayurveda, there's this idea that there's um, this theory or whatever that there were eight uh, epochs or ages of time. And we're, I think there were four, as I recall, but anyway, we're in the last one. And so in the earlier ones, the people actually lived longer, they were healthier probably than we are now, right? Like that we've just experienced a deterioration of, of our beings our bodies um so we don't live nearly as long as they used to which i find interesting because the bible the the talks about characters who lived 800 900 years so that ayurveda has that too is interesting to me but what knowledge you would acquire living that many years yeah um yeah I've heard of that too. I think it's called the Kali. Is that the Yugas that you're talking about? Yes. Yeah. Kali Yuga right now. And then mm-hmm. it'll eventually go back to the first one. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Hmm. So that's where, you know, the oh, having to start all over with the knowledge. Um, mm. I wish I could take some knowledge with me because I, I, you know, I made a lot of mistakes and maybe I would have gotten a little, um, more what, what what more am I looking for maybe I would have been a kinder person <laughs> well maybe I mean I think in uh, the concept of reincarnation it's like it's the soul's work that you've done in this lifetime will go forward into the next lifetime mm-hmm. so maybe you don't have to do it all over again it's mm-hmm. like a lot of those yeah. things might come more naturally for you and then you'll just continue your work kind of where you left off that's what I like to believe that'd be yeah. nice <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
And then that goes back to, you know, the ultimate attachment is to our ego and um, Mm -hmm. what's appealing to the thought of life after death or going to heaven is that what I call me somehow continues. Mm -hmm. And um, that is the ultimate attachment. (laughs) Yeah, I find it interesting how um, some, and maybe this is because I, I don't, I don't really know what I believe. I have like intuition of what I feel makes sense and 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 um and I understand science and like how can we like and I can understand some science, not all of it, but how we can um how can we use like our intuition and combine it with with science that we have found to be proven, you know, or at least a theory. Um but for some reason, I've never really, like, cared about, like, the attachment of of what will happen afterwards. Like, and maybe that's because, like, I feel like I'm a, I, yes, I've made mistakes, but I'm a decent person and, like, people will remember me and until there's no more generations that, you know, remember me and that's okay, like it doesn't scare me as much as I think other, it scares other people. Um, and where does that come from? Like, is that past lives or past, um, situations where, you know, you're like, you kind of have this like intuition, like, Oh, I'm going to come back in some way anyway. So I'm, I'm not too concerned about it or, or is it because like, like, cause that just in my mind means like death isn't finite. Whereas other people do believe death is finite and maybe that is why they're more concerned about, about that. Um, it's interesting how, how, how people, there are a lot of people who really worry about that more than other people. And where does that come from? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know where that, but I believe it. It's you yeah. look around, there's so much more, some people have more levels of fear than others and mm-hmm is it based on our belief systems or yeah maybe you've done work in past lives where it's just not as much of a thing for you in this lifetime yeah I don't know so so a, a belief in an afterlife implies something sacred to mm-hmm. like it's moving into the realm of the paradise right? so sacred would be what's holy what's eternal what's um elevated divine and um i so you yeah so why am i thinking that oh because you know we're becoming more of a secular society and um can we do are we losing touch with our intuitive selves with a connection of something that's more eternal than our finite little lives. Um, This is reminding me of, uh, my dad just sent me an article called Eastern philosophy says there is no self science agrees. Um, And it says, why are you unhappy? Because 99.9% of everything you think and of everything you do is for yourself, and there isn't one. <laughs> I haven't like read the whole article yet, I, um, but I think it's talking about how 
now like neuroscience has been looking at the brain and how like the left side of your brain is what narrates your life. Um, but they're realizing that like what Eastern philosophy has always talked about of how like that's just a nar- narration of who you are, but it's not really like really who you are. Um, it's like a false sense of self. So that's all I got from that. I don't, yeah. it talks much more in detail, but I just think it's kind of cool when science starts um, talking the same language as some of the Eastern philosophy. Yes. Yeah. And I think part of that is one, we're getting more technology or that can measure potentially the things that we weren't really able to measure before. So then science is kind of like coming onto it. And I guess there's three things. That's one. So the second thing I think is it also shines a light of how traditional cultures and cultures that have been around for thousands of years, how there's so much more communal. And whereas Western society is so much more individualistic and Mm -hmm. people with individualistic upbringings, like thinking beyond like them beyond themselves is connected to anything else is really difficult and then the third thing I think about that is how um, the, like, sometimes people like to show how the parts of the human body look like other parts in nature. So, like, our brain with our nervous system attached to it looks like a tree, right? Or um, or something like that. I can't think of another example right now. But um, I think it is kind of naive to believe that and I, naive might be the wrong word because um, there might be some cynicism behind it. Um, but I think it's it's interesting how people believe like they're not connected to the person next to them or to nature or to the whole world. Um, and that themselves are only, or can't be influenced by anything else around, around them. Um, yeah. There's too I much think- consistency in this world that we, that we can't be individualistic at that point even just becoming a mother it's like oh this being was literally physically attached to me like he was my body at one point and like his the egg that created him was created in me when I was in the fetus at four months Mm. and it's just you start visualizing that and it's like yeah we are just this one like you're just I've been thinking about that maternal line of just it is one you're just rooted to each other. Um, and then even though you, you know, cut the cord physically, you're always still attached. Like I will always have the fetal, um, cells within my body and in brain, um, from Gordy forever now. Um, and just energetically too, I think we're all like still attached to each other through the mother. Um, so, yeah, there's a psychological approach that um, <clears throat> is group work where you um, align and honor the your parents who gave you life and that you can't really be at peace within yourself until you have that um, mm. gratitude. Even if they weren't the best parents or they were abusive or something, you don't have to be grateful for that, but just grateful for receiving life. Is, is in this philosophy mm-hmm. and I think at some point like 
yes, we don't have to necessarily be accepting and, and thankful or grateful for neglect or abuse that we've had in as children, if that is something that happened. But I, I, I do think, though, that what brings some closure in that situation is, I guess there's two things. One, there are people who are truly bad people. Like, that doesn't happen very often, but, you know, there are people who are bad in some capacity or are not the best people and they can inflict harm in so many ways. So that's one side or when they have severe mental health issues that are undiagnosed or anything like that. And the other thing too is like, like a lot of hurt people, they just don't know how much pain they're in, you know, emotionally and spiritually. And so they take it out on other people or, and and then I then understand, well, they did the best they could with what they had. Like, you know, at the time when they were raising you or, or anything like that, like they were so hurt that they just couldn't figure out how to not pass that hurt on to you um, because they didn't have the tools or they didn't have um, like how our, like Shona and our generation is talking about this more and like our parents are getting help now. Um, because we're talking about this and how we, there is time to like get help if needed. Um, and that's really privileged of me to say that because I, yes, maybe my parents made mistakes like every other parents, but I had an amazing childhood and I was not neglected or abused in any way. So I, it's easier for me to say that. Right. Um, so it's like finding that, that balance between it all. Yeah, I think I think of it in like, well, whatever um, traumas are in my lifetime, instead of just looking at them with anger and resentment, it's I've come to think like, okay, well, this happened to me so that I can work with it in this lifetime and um, maybe to like change patterns through the generations and um change it going forward through the generations and just thinking of it as like, well, I was meant to do this work um, and within myself and through my family line. Um, that's just helped me kind of think of it in a more positive light of, of working with, with trauma, I think. Yeah. Man, we've got some, a lot of big thoughts in all of this. <laughs> Right. Wow. Yeah. And I, I too could see, I mean, I had a very privileged childhood too. So maybe it also is easier for me to say of working with more subtler dynamics and stuff, but you know, it's all good work. Yeah. Yeah. And too, I'm like, I'll probably mess up Gordy in some way. <laughs> like I'm trying my best, but you know, it's, it's also perception of the child or the individual. Yeah. Because it, it could have been yeah. fine, but. Um, yeah. And also, I think uh, when things are um, dichotomous, is that the right word? So if there's two beliefs in action, that but they're completely different. Um, and then the individual has to resolve what is true for them, but where the discomfort is, is that, that there's these two comp competing 
beliefs. I, I can't say the one I'm thinking of right now. <laughs> so I have to think of, um, well, how about, okay. Uh, my mom, but so parents are supposed to love you and my, you know, if your parent is going through, um, some depression or something like that. So the, they, they do love you, but they're not able to express that. They're not mm-hmm. able to show it prop, uh, demonstratively or whatever. Um, or if you have a parent that drinks too much, um, and, and so at times they are not loving mm-hmm. and at another time they're saying that they love you. So we, a, a person in a child that we have to work those out, like what's true. Mm-hmm. And the discomfort is where those, you are unaware that there are those competing thoughts. You just have a discomfort. Yeah. And you're constantly on edge because you don't know, nothing's consistent, right? So you just existing, no matter what you do or don't do, your parent could be triggered, especially if they're using substances to to help them get through their own discomfort. Um, and that creates so much mm-hmm. in uncertainty in you as the child, which then creates other maladaptive coping mechanisms like people pleasing or um, a self mutilation or um, self destructive behaviors or um, or uh, trying to make sure your attachment is not there like being emotionally unavailable um, there are so many ways to um, self protect yourself on when you do have parents who are not consistent um, or grandparents, like I, like I have an interesting situation that even though my parents were consistent and yes, they made mistakes and like that it is what it is. Right. They're again, doing the best they can with what they had. And, but then I have this really weird attachment with my grandparents and they were the, the classic, like, you know, they only will give love, whatever the love that they thought was appropriate based on what you did and how you perceive how you how they perceive your worthiness and so it's like you know they were doing again the best they could with what they had and it's really hard for me to accept that because I want to uh tell them to f off right because kind of a thing but um because of how much I was hurt by it but um but I think that is part of growing up and and finding peace in your life is having that that empathy for people Um, and you can still be mad at them and you can still like hold them like tell them you know or in your brain or something like that and be like you know what everything that happened was not right and I'm going to hold space and say you are unaware and and I'm, it sucks that you hurt other people in the way in your life because you were unaware. Um, but I'm going to do something about it. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Well, I have a couple of thoughts on that because another thing that people use, not just drugs, anger, like yeah. somebody manages the situation by their anger, like, Oh, don't get mom mad. Don't, get her, don't you know, do what makes her happy because when she's mad, Oh my gosh, it's awful. And what sucks about that is, like, 
what makes her angry can change in a day or a week or a month or a year. Mm. So then you're thinking you're like going in like a good direction. We're like, we're keeping the peace. We're keeping the peace. We're going well. And then all of a sudden the rules change and you weren't part of why the rules change. Like the person of authority changed the rules on you. Um, and that's that inconsistent. I, I have a really hard time with that inconsistency of, people saying one thing and doing another thing like it just to me like triggers me so much it gives me so much anxiety um and that's also because I can't control the situation and so that's a maladaptive uh you know uh practice there too trying to control everything so that I feel comfortable I think Um, one of the most important lines that I've heard that I try to bring into Gordy's life is Gordy you are not responsible for other people's feelings and reactions yeah, and like important. I love you for that's who you huge. are, um, and that like really hit me because I think I'm also a people pleaser and I'm affected by other people's reactions and feelings, and because of the fear of like love being removed <laughs> or anger coming at me or whatever, like you're saying, Chrissy. But I don't know. I'm like ready to pass on a different um, way of being, like, and yeah. and yet. It has to be accompanied with teaching values, mm-hmm. like that. It, right. you know, that we need to be fair and honest with each other, and you know, we could do a whole list of the 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 the, the, the Cub Scout honor system, right? You know, where we we care for each other, but at the same time, realize that we're not responsible for other people's emotions. But when you um, except that you're not responsible for other people's emotions and then you live without values, you're dishonest in order to get what you want. You you um, are yeah. uncaring about the effects of your actions on others. So they, they have yeah, to go to- It's tricky because it's yeah. like mm-hmm. if a toddler, if he, you know, hits me or something mm-hmm. and then I'm like, ow, <laughs> or like, you know, he's not responsible for my reaction um I'm not quite sure how you really I just say you know like gentle Gordy like gentle is nice for me um right now like I'm not really in a a a playful you know wrestling mood (laughs) and somehow that seems to be working but you're right that is a really tricky balance of of... we we do have a excessive number of narcissists and sociopaths uh, in society now true they yes. don't care at all about other people's feelings yeah and they've been rewarded by by moving into leadership roles in business mm-hmm. and politics mm-hmm. by by you know the lack of values and the self-centeredness yeah, yeah. Like the opposite swing of the pendulum between like too much people pleasing and the narcissism yeah mm-hmm. so, so that i'm thinking you know about what you said chrissy about being you know, hurt by the actions of your, of your grandparents. And I, you know, I just think of my own situation with my, um, my granddaughter who's 16 now, and I haven't talked to her since she's 13 or no meaningful conversation since 12, um, because she wanted me out of her life. And so, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm out. And I'm here when you're whenever. Um, but we had, she lived with me for 10 years. We had a great relationship. 
So um, she is not remembering that. And, you know, so as children, what, what are, you know, um, it's amazing to me what we don't remember as, you know, children, probably as adults too. But uh, so I, her, her perceptions of her growing up, I don't know what it is right now, but apparently it's not what I remember. Yeah. And that I think is a difficult part um, is that perceptions are different. Cause like my, my grandmother will, will like to use um, guilt a lot for, um, cause their way of showing love was with possessions and money and that kind of thing. And, um, and how she'll always like either say to me or write, or like if she writes me like a note or something, it says, you know, it focuses on like, oh, remember this amazing time when we did this, or like, this was awesome when we did this, or like, don't you remember this? And I say, oh yeah, I remember it, but that's not how I remember it, right? Like, I was forced to do this um, to make you happy, right? Or I was doing this because I longed for so much love from you that I thought like if I did exactly what you wanted me to do like you would love me for me and here we are when 30 years later and I've exceeded expectations in this life and yet like you don't like who I am as an individual person um and so I think it is based on perceptions because how she perceives our experiences and how I perceived our experiences are two different things and it's hard when we can't quite get to that point. Now, I think what's different between you, Sarah, and like your granddaughter is that truly my, my, my grandmother has, is so unaware of anyone's life beyond her. She does not have empathy. She most likely is a narcissist um, and a diagnosable um, narcissist and like that will never like our perceptions will never align right whereas I think you are like so much more intuitive aware willing to admit um if you've made mistakes or if other people have made mistakes you have empathy like I think at some point when both you and your grandchild like get a point where can come together and have productive conversations I think you will meet in the middle somewhere and both truths will will align um yeah someday yeah we can definitely hope and and I think also too I think it's difficult for us to um like children up until they're 25 right or like our people up until they're 25 are still developing their brain and so again perception is going to be different in that regard too because there's a lot of people who, who are we can't critically think a lot of times until we're in our twenties. And so that's difficult too. So, you know, before we started recording, I mentioned this book, I was just reading a summary of um, Thich Nhat Hanh and how, how to develop love. I can't remember, you know, but one of these these things that they said was over time, our love becomes more expansive where we can look at an individual and we can see all their, inadequacies as well as their strengths but I call them foibles like (laughs) so I've been married 45 years now and we we were separated three times and divorced once you know and I'm with the same guy 
So we see each other's foibles. And adults don't, you know, maybe we get a little better, but <laughs> it's not. Uh, so you really learn to love the whole person and even with their their shortcomings. Um, and um, I have to see if I can put that into words. Um, that, you know, I think, wow, people, um, I know that for like my husband, he, he's trying to be the best person he can be. And he mm-hmm. still has those things, um, happening. Me too. Yeah. And, um, I hope someday with your, your grandma, you can see that too. Yeah. It may not be that you want to spend any time with her because she's not allowed <laughs> I, and I, I, I do when I, when I see myself go into, um, cynicism or hatred or like those things that really truly burn us from the inside when I in conversations either with her or about her or anything like that I really do try to come back around to love and accept and say in my soul like accept the fact that she was abused like as a child and as through adulthood had not the best relationship with her parents as well and and couple that with her um with what I think is also undiagnosed mental health issues like all of that together right creates this response in her life of how she um deals with the world and so I think I I do have empathy and sympathy for her in terms of like she also didn't get the best start in her life as well. So, um, and at some point though, I think we can also hold people accountable for their actions of refusing to get help or refusing to, um, acknowledge that what they do is harmful. Right. So it's like finding that balance again. And a lot of this is about balance and the pendulum swinging on opposite ends of the spectrum of like, I can still have my feelings of, of hurt in what I've experienced and I can also uh acknowledge where she's come from which then her hurt like she expressed her hurt in different ways and I can also hold her accountable for her lack of willing to to make amends or change or mm-hmm. or acknowledge the, the things that yeah. she did so um yeah all of those have to come together we love Ted Lasso Mm -hmm. the last season was just so well done and I hope this isn't like giving something away but he talks to his mother and Mm -hmm. and um you know and says why didn't you get help Mm -hmm. you know like like one of the best things we can do for those that we do love and our whole family no matter how old you are is spend some time in um mental health counseling and getting to know yourself more. And um, one of the questions that we didn't, you know, that, that we have here is um, where is it? Um, What do you hope everyone has the chance to figure out in their lifetime is like these things that have held them back really from giving love fully. 
full yeah. acceptance and just seeing, being able to see how beautiful each other is. And if you can't see how beautiful the other person is, you're the one who needs to go get counseling. <laughs> yeah, And I think that's the part of like, that is so frustrating for a lot of us people and how, you know, we're talking a lot now about boundaries and sticking up to your boundaries and, um, and if that boundary is like no contact, uh, like, are we fostering an environment that hopefully helps this person, like, get to that point of realization? But then at some point when you keep trying and trying and trying and you couple with like what Shona said about, like, I'm not responsible for other people's reactions and emotions, like, at some point you're like, I, I give up, right? I put my hands up and I'm, I... I can't keep doing the things it's like the definition of insanity, right? Like you keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Like I can't, I can't keep doing that. Right. Um, so again, it's like capacity and do I have the capacity to keep doing the things or is it, is return on investment of my time into the, like to telling you like you need help and you're not accepting it. Like, at one point, am I hurting myself because I'm trying to, like, get you to get help? But, um, that, and that's different for everybody. Yeah. I have to go. Okay. Um, yeah. For Gordy care time. So. Yeah. 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 yeah thank this you. Really great. Yeah. I'll leave you guys to it. We'll see you in July. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, this was a this is a good one. Yeah, all all related to what to t- put in your grave with you. <laughs> yeah, which put in your grandma's grave. Oh man. All right, using love, right? <laughs> <laughs> using love, um, it would probably be um, maybe. Oh, that's a great question. If I'm if I'm you showing up with love, it would probably be it would probably be the serenity prayer. It uh, would it would be a copy of of that where I'm acknowledging her her, her where where she is coming from and hmm. and me understanding and having the empathy that I cannot change her and but I'm still going to to love you the way that I know I can love you and yeah that's what I loved about my sister is and I because I'm not like her and she was able to see my parents and Mm -hmm. the things she puts that put in there was for their comfort things that she Mm -hmm. saw they liked and that they help mm. feel better. And interesting. Yeah, because what I just chose was what m- would make me feel better. <laughs> which is what I would do. Oh, interesting. I would do what you did. And yeah. So I was always seeing them through my filter. But mm-hmm. I think this is a job hazard. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Because as soon as we meet people in work, you know, day day after day when you're working and person after person, several times a day, you're asked to help solve their problem. So you're looking at them through the filter of what, what's wrong. 
<laughs> true. And how can I help you? That is so true. <laughs> and my sister is really more of an artist. She likes sewing. Go shopping with her. It's just incredible because she could. She'll spend hours just like looking at things. It drives me nuts. And seeing the colors and the presentation, and it, mm. I can't do it. But she can. And so she's like looking at people and seeing them and appreciating where they are mm-hmm. without needing to change them. You know, people are paying us to change them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what we think is appropriate, right? Which that's a whole other topic of of meeting people where they're at and introducing change into their life but yet is that change even appropriate or what I think is appropriate like is that even appropriate for other people like I don't know (laughs) yeah good point yeah thank you yeah thank you Yeah, that was fantastic. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our group tends to have these fantastic discussions, and we always ask ourselves why we haven't recorded any of them. And now, here we are. If you are interested in more content, we'll be releasing new episodes every other Monday. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by searching Therapy Solutions PLLC. That PLLC is super important. This is the Rehab Within Reach podcast, where all are encouraged to experience wholeness and independence. See you soon.